We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Michael S. with the Super Chat says, with the constant mistakes he made, do you think Sam Hartman was uncoachable this year? And uncoachable is a big word, man. Like That's a big no, word I, for me, Michael. I, I understand, Michael, where he's coming from, Ryan. I think, I, I, I think what I would say, because I'm with you, Ryan, uncoachable speaks of a disrespect, a lack of, like, I don't care what you have to say. I think it's, it's very, what's the expression? It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. That's really what I think it boils down to. And when you do, it's going to be a situation where um, it's just he's going to go back to muscle memory or it can create confusion and slowing down. I think it's those type of things. Like my dad asked me, I sent him a couple of those clips that I put on the board yesterday, like how he's just missing reads and you're just frustrated by it. He's like, did you see this at Wake? And I was like, no, I didn't see that at Wake. But at the same time, the film I watched of him at Wake was him four and five years into that system. Sure. I don't know that he had those issues as a freshman or a sophomore, you know I mean? So right. I understand where you're coming from, but number one is sometimes that's just who a guy is. He just, right. just, that's who he is. And other times this is the risk you run when bringing in a portal quarterback, who's making the big transit. I I'm not, this isn't a hindsight 2020. They shouldn't have done it. I think Notre Dame made the right move. They took their shot. It didn't work out the way that you'd hoped, but you, you, you took your shot. And you you fail every single time you don't take a shot. You you guarantee you're not going to hit it, right? Yep. And you don't not go to the portal because he didn't pan out because you went eleven and one the last time you brought it, had a portal quarterback. Okay, but sometimes it's just it's just not going to work out. And with Sam, yep. I just think it didn't work out the way we would hope. But I I don't think I've never heard a thing about Sam being uncoachable. It's yeah. just sometimes you just can't beat certain habits out of a guy. I I. Yeah, I mean, because the uncoachable word for me, Michael, it, it was just like it, it's like a guy just kind of brushing you off and saying like that's stupid. I'm not going to do that, right? Like I've I've had kids that are uncoachable. Like I've had those guys, right? And I I would say more to what Brian said is that I think, and this could be, this was probably a fault of myself, is that when you have a quarterback with so much experience, I think you just have this assumption that he is just going to retain knowledge so quickly and he's going to change those habits and he's going to be able to really take on a different offense and, and make it his own very quickly. When in reality, it's a thing that takes a lot of time, man, to break habits for one, to get used to an offense for two. And I think that again, like, I don't know what Sam Hartman's retention of knowledge is, for instance, right? Like I do NFL draft evaluations. And it's like, what's the hardest part of projecting quarterbacks, not knowing what they know on the board, right? Not knowing what they are as leaders on the field. And from all indications, Sam Hartman is a good leader, and I never heard a word negative about Sam Hartman as a person. But a one-year transition to a completely different system is a difficult task, and it is a difficult task to retain that knowledge and to make it functional in an offense as well. So I just think that it was not a good fit necessarily. I think that Sam did probably the best that he could in the situation in a short amount of time. I don't really fault either side for this, unfortunately. Just wasn't a fit that worked out the, to the best of what we expected it to be. And it is what it is. But I think that 
I think that that's just kind of my thought process on it is maybe it just wasn't a great fit. Maybe it wasn't a seamless transition that we thought maybe it could be with a six-year starting quarterback. That's just, you know, kind of my thought process there. I also think we can't ignore the fact that he was the guy that Tommy Reese picked and his offense, I believe fits a little bit more of what Tommy Reese liked to do a little bit more than what Jared Parker likes to do. Yeah. That's part of it as well. And when you as a coach have to adapt to a guy that's not your necessarily preferred style, it can create some issues as well. And the last quarterback that, that Gino Gadulli coached up, for example, what's the guy that we give praise for? Desmond Ritter. The Ritter. Yeah. Desmond Ritter and Sam Hartman are very different quarterbacks. Yeah. Who's a lot Sam, like Desmond Ritter? Sam Hartman's who's, not 6'3, 220, runs a 4'5. Right. He's not, he's not that now, guy. who <laughs> does have some similarities to, to Desmond Ritter? Deuce yeah. Knight. Right, sure. CJ Carr. Those guys are much more similar in style of play than than Sam Hartman, and that's again, uh, like you said, Ryan. I've heard nothing but I, re- people, I, players, coaches. They all they respect. Now, do, do certain receivers kind of ready for Sam to be gone? I'm sure, but it's not personal. It's just kind of look at me. You know what I mean? Fit, but they all yeah. respect them. No, I've never heard anyone say a bad word about the kid as a as a worker as a. Yeah, you know, I got I got issues with him as a player, Ryan, this year. I do, but I have never heard a single bad word about Sam Hartman, the young man, the leader, right. that type of stuff at all. Nothing. I, I would have been much. I, I'm very interested because I think that if Notre Dame brings in a quarterback this offseason out of the portal to contend for a starting spot, I think that that would be a much bigger indicator of like what what Jared Parker wants as a quarterback. Cause I, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm a little, I'm kind of curious now. I mean, obviously we'll never know the answer to this, but if Jared Parker was the quarter, was the offense coordinator this time last year, would he have looked at Sam Hartman? Would that have been the guy that he wanted? I, I don't you, know the answer you, to that. You know you who know? I think he would have gone after of what I know of Jared Hudson Parker. Card. Bingo. Card. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. I think that's yeah. the guy he probably would have targeted. And that's, but that, but that's, I mean, he wasn't the OC. I mean, Tommy was. I mean, it's just, it's just the breaks. But yeah, I just, I just want to be clear, guys. I'm very critical of the play of Sam Hartman the second half of the year. But that's about him as a football player. I have never, ever had an, an ill feeling towards him as a young man. I, I respect how, like, there's a, a I kind of talked about senior day. I just thought it was a little cringy that like they made Sam Hartman to be like how they were when Manti had senior day and Zach Martin had senior day. And I'm like, of all the kids that have been here four and five years, that's the guy you're, you're bringing out last and all that. But number one, he's a quarterback, but number two, like one of the reasons, and, and, a, and a guy, I can't remember who it was some Notre Dame Twitter account had a response to what I said. What to, I don't know if he said it to me or somebody else, but he's like, part of the reason Sam Hartman is loved because of how much he embraced Notre Dame. He was one of us immediately. And you don't do that if you're just here to get a paycheck and go to the NFL. Like he embraced everything about Notre Dame. And you don't do that if you're an uncoachable guy. You you're you're a bad attitude. You're like, dude, I'm just here to, I'm here to, I'm here to help you. Right. You right. know, you're not here to help me. Um, so yeah, I, I and I think that's the reason why a lot of fans did embrace Sam Hartman is because he embraced Notre Dame and everything about Notre Dame. And I think he'll always be it much as Jack Cohn did. Sam's just a little bit more outgoing right. than Jack Cohn was. You know, Jack was a very quiet reserve guy, but Jack Cohn was very much a, a became a very quickly a Notre Dame man, just like Sam right. Hartman did. Absolutely. Sure. All right. Good question. You guys are on fire today. You have some really good questions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. We're in the midst of the holiday season, which can bring joy to our lives, but can also bring seasonal blues. This time of the year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot in a time of stress or a time of change. It gives you something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded, and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. Uh, MT has another really good one here, Ryan. MT says, with Michigan's greater on-field success over Notre Dame the past couple of years, why has Notre Dame been so dominant over them in recruiting? Well, I, I think Michigan set themselves back a little bit, MT, for a little bit there because you every single year you had to deal with the rumors of Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL, and I think that that hurt recruiting a little bit. I also think that Notre Dame just generally probably has better a better recruiting staff than Michigan does. I think Michigan's got a lot of really good football coaches, but as far as recruiting, I mean, I think Jim Harbaugh's a, a lot fine of turnover recruiter. there too, Ryan. I mean, they've they got a, lot, a of lot of staff turnover. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Jesse Minter's a really good defense coordinator, but I mean, two years ago, the coach that's now the defense coordinator for Baltimore Ravens was their defense coordinator. So they've definitely yeah, had some turnover. Josh Gaddis left and, and yep. he was a good recruiter. Then he gets replaced by a guy who gets fired because of a, you know, an investigation. I mean, like the drama didn't just start this year at Michigan. Like right. there's been weird stuff going on for a couple of years now. Uh, I think you nailed it with the better, the better recruiting staff, Ryan. I think the other thing too is, is, you know, with with Notre with Michigan, it's like it's very much a now moment with Jim Harbaugh. To your point, you know, even if he does stay, is he going to leave? Uh, but at the same time, also, it's like with Notre Dame, it's kind of like it's the young, energetic head coach. You can be part of something special. I think right. it's part of it too. But I just I, and I think the way that they play on offense doesn't isn't a really sexy offense. That if you're unless you're an offensive lineman or running back, you're not going to be beat down the door to go if you're a receiver to go play in that offense where at least Notre Dame can still sell. We want to be something different. That's why we need you. I mean, Jim Harbaugh has been there so long. We're like, that doesn't work anymore. So I think that's part of it as well. I did want to address something here real quick. Um, we are, I am working on a story right now. It's uh, something I'm working on in between answering questions, but Nana Osafa Mensa has entered the portal, the, the transfer portal. Uh, so, so Nana will not, uh, at least as of right now, it looks like he will not be back at Notre Dame next year. Um, not overly surprised by this, but still a little bummed because I kind of thought there'd be a notion of him coming back and maybe being a, you know, a good leader and and that type of thing. And I and I, I d- doubt that Notre Dame was willing to offer him a guaranteed starting job. But uh, just got to thank Nana for the job he did this year, man. We talked about it the other day, Ryan, but for a kid like that to just embrace taking the backup role to a portal guy and showing the leadership that he did and playing the way he did when he did get in the game. Yep. Got a lot of respect for what that kid did. No doubt, man. I mean, and he's a, I mean, you mentioned already a little bit, but that kid is a leader. I mean, again, he's, he's a perfect example of you don't need the C on the chest to be a leader. You don't. And Nana is one of those guys where he's a tremendous leader and he outplayed my expectations for him this year, to be honest. I, I thought Nana would just be fine, you know? But, like, there were a couple games where I'm like, all right, Nana, good job, buddy. Like, you did, especially last game. I mean, he was fantastic this past game against Stanford. So, Nana was a great leader, was a tough, gritty kid who played his butt off every single snap. There's no doubt about it. And there's going to be some great offseason question marks about the big end position now, right? Because you're going to lose Javante Jean-Baptiste. Now, with losing Nana Safamensa. You have some young kids in the wings, right? Like you have Brandon Vernon, who's a true freshman this year. 
Hopefully you have Aiden Gabira coming back from injury that will be into the conversation next season at the big end position. But you have some question marks as far as what the big end position is going to look like. Tyson Ford, like you have some question marks. I, I also anticipate one of Junior or Burnham moving over moving there over as well in certain looks. Now, whether it's a full-time move or not remains yeah. to be seen, but I also think we could see something like that uh, next season as well. I'm, but, I'm interested uh, to see what happens, you know, like, do you bring in another guy to have depth at that position? Like, I, I don't know the answer to that, but I, you yeah. know, Hey, I, I think you said it perfectly though, Brian, first and foremost, Nana graduate of Notre Dame ambassador yeah. of Notre Dame Tremendous. played his butt off. You could depend on him every single day and he was a great leader. So nothing yes. negative ever to say. About love, that. This is love the kid. Love this the is the, kid. This is the right kind of transfer, right? He gave everything to the University of Notre Dame that you asked of him. You got it. You got your degree. You played your butt off in every role that you had at Notre Dame, and you were a leader. And that's yeah, good, good for him, man. Good for him. Go go play. Go ball outs. Go get some more playing time and see what you can do as a full time yeah. player. Love to see. Yep. It. Yep. And this is the old school portal stuff. This is the stuff that used to happen back in the day, where kids would graduate, do your time, and you get that reward by getting that fifth year opportunity where you can transfer wherever you want to transfer to. So Ryan, I'm, I'm going to ask this next question because I'd like for you to address it. And uh, I'm going to continue okay. working on this article while you are addressing it. Coleman Smith asks, would you bring Maris Leofow back to pair with Bubakar Traore and Josh Burnham at Viper? Jordan is a cutting it. Uh, the weight gains uh, has affected his rush. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring Coleman. I wouldn't bring him back just to be a Viper, right? Like the only reason I would bring Maris back is if Maris won, was okay with some young guys getting a lot of playing time, right? Like there's not a Maris Loyfels coming back and he is the de facto will one. And there's no other guy that's even close from a snap share perspective. I want to see some young cats play next year, right? Like I want to see Nolan Ziegler and Jay Nosberry and Drake Bowen and, and all those guys inside Jalen Sneed. I want to see those guys. So Maris has to be okay with understanding that you are going to have to let up some numbers. You have to. Second, that doesn't change his role as far as special teams. You need to play special teams, and you need to be a part of the team and be that type of guy, which I don't have any reason to think that Maris won't accept that role as much as the defensive side of the ball. But that, and if that, but Coleman, to your question, if that means Maris comes back in that capacity and I can get some Viper reps out of him on specialized downs, on obvious pass situations, then I would think about it for sure. But I'm not moving him full-time to Viper because I'm excited about some of the young Vipers that are on the roster. Like, I want to see Bubakar Traore play more. If Joshua Burnham stays there, I want to see him. I want to see if Logan Thomas can get into the conversation of playing a lot as a freshman or playing a little bit as a freshman. I want to give those guys opportunities. So if Maris accepts a role as I'm a part of the rotation, but I'm not the full rotation, and I can have versatility and I will play special teams, then I'd be okay with Maris coming back. But there has to be an understanding of this is not just your position, right? Like we're not doing that, you know, seniority thing when you're not playing. Like I know he was a Benderic uh, finalist or whatever, or semifinalist or whatever, which was just absolutely laughable. But if he is a, he could be a valuable part of the team if he chooses to take that role. I'm just not necessarily sure if he would be, you know, okay with taking that role. So in a specialized situation, I would take him back, but it would not be a, Yes, uh, automatic yes. There would be some thought and process to go into this conversation. Ryan, we were incorrect. Nana Osafa okay. Mensa did not get a degree from Notre Dame in four years. He got two. Good for him, man. Yep, he got two. I'm, he said I'm not that surprised his, about that at all. He said that in his announcement. He says, after getting, I love this, after earning two degrees from the University of Notre Dame. I love that. Absolutely love that. Because he's a four-year guy. He was a 19, 20, 21, 22. No, actually, he's a fifth-year guy. So he's a fifth-year guy now, and he's going to take his, his sixth year. So that means he uh -huh. probably has a master's now, too, right? If he was here <laughs> five years. He so, is another example. What, what's the Notre Dame man look like, Brian? He yeah. is going to be very yeah. – he's going to be a great situation yes. after football ends for him. Yes. Great situation. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Here's, a, here's, here's one, Ryan. We had five Burkhart boys who said, can we talk openly on how Sam Hartman just didn't cut it at Notre Dame? Why do you think he wasn't the guy? Pressure was being the Notre Dame quarterback just too much for him. His skill level, talent around him, coaching. It's a deep question, man. There's a lot, I think there's a lot that goes into it, five Burkhart boys. I would say for me, 
what were the biggest issues with Sam Hartman transitioning to Notre Dame? I think one, just the general transition of different offense, only one year under the belt, breaking some bad habits. I think that set him back a little bit. I do think that there were some points where maybe play calling could have been a little bit better to make things a little bit more advantageous and a little bit easier for Sam Hartman at times. I also think that wide receivers having a million hamstring injuries in the most important section of the season in the middle didn't help anything at all because then you're losing practice time. You're losing that connection consistently. So I'm a big believer. I've said this in nauseam at this point. It's a little bit of everything. It's not just the Sam Hartman thing. It's not just the Notre Dame thing. There's a lot that I think went into him just not being his best version of himself, or at least our expectations were for Sam Hartman. So that's just kind of my thought, Francis Bryan. I think it's a little bit of everything that kind of correlates to it. Yeah, I also want to say, I, I don't know that I would say he didn't cut it at Notre Dame. He wasn't as good as he should have been and could have been, but he wasn't a failure. It was, you know, if we're going to just kind of be like the, you know, you won a championship or not. And if you didn't, it's a failure. Okay, fine. I mean, that's fine. But I just have always said there's a lot. That's the big, that's the macro evaluation of the season. But the micro is a lot more, there's a lot more to it than that, Ryan. And, you know, we're talking about a guy that that wasn't as good as he should have been. He still, he still threw 24 touchdown passes and had a quarterback rating that will be the highest quarterback rating that Notre Dame has had at quarterback from a full-time starter since Jimmy Clausen back in, uh, back in um, uh, 2010, I mean that that's the, or 2009, excuse me. It, it, he's got the best quarterback rating that they've had for in a while. I think so. It wasn't a complete failure, and he had some very good games in Notre Dame. He just wasn't good enough in the big moments, which is sort of a microcosm of the entire team, uh, especially the offense this season. Is, is that is was it pressure? No, I don't think it was pressure. Was being the Notre Dame two at quarterback too much for him? No, I think that's all way overthinking it. I just don't right. think he made the transition. The transition was just a little bit too much for a guy to make in one year. It's and yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I just think that has, had a lot to do with it. You know, talent around him, sure. I mean, like Ryan, I think you nailed like all the injuries they had and things like that. That all factored into it, of course. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there was too many opportunities for him to make some of those plays that he just didn't make. And, you know, there's, there's make all the excuses that we want, but he just needed to make some more of those plays. Uh, but it, it also could have been worse. You know, if Sam Hartman's not their quarterback, did they worse. beat Duke? You know, I, I don't know. I just kind of look, it, it, it you, you took your shot. It didn't work out. He did some good things, did some things you wish he would have done better. He competed his butt off and he embraced Notre Dame. And whoever the next portal quarterback is, if it's a guy that's going to come in and start, it's going to have to be, a, a, to me, more seamless tra- fit to what they were trying to do. And I honestly think just the timing for him didn't work out. I, I really do. I, I I still wonder what this offense would have looked like if he had Tommy Reese as the OC than Jared Parker. And that's not to say Tommy Reese is better or worse or anything like that. It's just that's who Tommy wanted. Tommy wants to run an offense one way. Jared Parker would like to run an offense a little bit of a different way. And I don't think that Jared, that, that if, if Tommy Reese would have left the day after the USC game last year, to your point, I don't think Sam Hartman's the quarterback that they would have gone and got, got in the portal. I think it would have been like a Hudson Carr type of guy. I just, I just do. And what's my evidence? Who has he recruited in, in high school quarterbacks since they got right. here? Since, you know, it's, it's a different deal. So um, I just think all those things factored in. It just all went together. But I, I, I never felt like Sam didn't handle the pressure. You know, he didn't play well against Stanford this year, or against Clemson this year. I just watched him rip Clemson up last year. I don't think he was afraid of playing Clemson, you know, or the pressure of playing Clemson. Now, playing Clemson as the starting quarterback in their name, sure. Yeah. But I just think that by that point in time, he was kind of already mentally far, too far gone. To, right. to be able to play. Whereas last year against Clemson, he that was the fourth time he'd played them in the same offense and you know with guys he'd been playing with for four years and 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 it just was a different scenario. I think that really has to come down to it, which is why if, I, I still believe, Ryan, if you're gonna go to a portal quarterback who's a one-year guy, you gotta get a guy that can move. You've got to get a guy that when things break down or he's uncomfortable can do more damage with his legs than what Sam Hartman can do. I think that's the great equalizer for yep. some of those things. And uh, that's just my two cents. Great questions today. Uh, here, here's one. Um, 
This is a good recruiting one, Ryan. I'll answer this one from Ant VR with Mike Elko going to Texas A&M and safety recruiting only in an okay spot. Any chance their name takes this last second shot at Paul Menke Jr.? So someone asked this on the message board. No, that's not a avenue that I would anticipate Notre Dame going down. Notre Dame has three safeties committed in the 2024 class. I think that's the number that they want to stick to as of today, right? So they have Bronte Johnson, they have Tabron Benny Powell, they have Kenny Deerlacher, and that whole I don't know if we ever <laughs> disclosed it on the message board, but like the whole Paul Menke situation was just a little bit odd, right? And both Notre Dame kind of made a decision that they were just going to kind of stop at that point, right? Recruiting him. So uh, that is not a situation that is not a player that I would anticipate Notre Dame taking a second look at. No, I think Notre Dame is, is done at safety in 2024. Yeah, that was, um, and I don't know how much we even want to say about that, but it was, it was a very odd situation. It's like and a water Notre cooler Dame, conversation. Yeah. At a, uh, it's, a, it's like an IB it's tailgate, a tailgate conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, I don't think this is going to fit. This is the right fit. And yeah. um I think yeah. it was sort of a mutual parting of ways. Let's yes. just put it that way. So, <laughs> yeah. N- yeah, it was an <laughs> same with the other kid that picked Texas Tech. It's like they Oliver Miles. They liked him a lot, but then the Viz was just kind of like, yeah. That's why Vizs are so important, man. That's why they're so yeah. important because you're like, yeah, this this is not a fit here. Just not a fit yeah. here. Yeah. Um. So you just wish they would have kind of been able to kind of find some of that stuff out sooner. Yeah. Here's another yeah. question that I that is is uh I think a good Ryan Roberts question from Nathan Milton is Notre Dame better at producing NFL offensive line tackles, guards, or centers? Let's just kind of focus on like the last 10 to 15 years, not so much all time. Um, I mean, I, I think when you look at it, I mean Notre Dame had a string well, <laughs> since Zach Martin, as far as like their left tackle had gone in the first round of the NFL draft that kind of ended at Lee Meikenberg, who went in the second round. So I think Offensive tackle is my impulse, but I mean, honestly, Nathan, the reason that Notre Dame is offensive line you is because the answer is yes, for the most part, right? I mean, right now you have Ronnie Stanley, who I know is struggling a little bit this year, but he's a been a very good left tackle when healthy for the Ravens. You have Mike McGlinch, who broke the bank this past offseason at right tackle, now playing with the Denver Broncos. You have Joe Alt now waiting in the wings. You have Lee Meikenberg playing guard on the next level, but Aaron Banks is playing good football. You have Robert Hainsey playing in the NFL. You have a lot of guys that are playing that are good football players, a whole lot. I think the one spot is center hasn't been like stellar, you know, from a from an a NFL perspective. I mean, like Robert Hainsey was getting a spot at a look at center, but otherwise it's like Sam Mustafer grabbed on for a few years. Nick Martin grabbed on for a few years, but it wasn't like you're putting out like these high profile guys necessarily. I, I think Nick Martin ended up going in the second round, but he was a little bit overdrafted. But so I think offensive tackle, offensive guard over center, but you have to cover all bases when you are offensive line. You and Notre Dame has done a great, I mean, literally Notre Dame could, if you just took the line in the NFL right now of just Notre Dame players, you would have an above average starting offensive line in the NFL, probably one of the better ones in the NFL right now. So, yeah, Notre Dame's offensive line you because they do a little bit of everything. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The regular season is over, but that doesn't mean shopping for tickets has come to an end. Notre Dame still has a big bowl game coming up. It's also holiday season, which means plenty of amazing concerts and shows, and you'll need tickets, especially if you're a last-minute shopper like me. And if you are in need of tickets, game time is the place to go. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. 
It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Nathan Milton says, Why do you suspect Jadarian Price is not more utilized in the offense? Well, I think there's a couple things. I, I, I believe number one, they they found other ways to get him the football as the team's kick returner. Number two, I think Notre Dame was very careful to not overwork him this year coming back from the Achilles. I think when you look at the depth they did have, the players they did have, there was really no need to really give more than he could really you just you just because like once you get that point of no return on an Achilles once the fit and I'm not even talking about like being injured again it's just when you're year one back from an Achilles there's a fatigue factor on that that part of your body your the tendons and all those type of things and medical people can explain it more to where once it goes it's gone meaning like you're not going to get it back without rest I'm not mean injury I just mean you've kind of lost like you ever been at the gym and you've lifted so much, it's been a while for me, but you lift so much where you're just, you're tired and like yeah. things you can normally bench, you're just, you're knocking out. Now you're like, you're exhausted. You know? yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, it kind of can hit that point and just kind of lingers for a while and, and resting. It isn't like taking a day off or, you know, and getting it back to the gym on Thursday. It's more of like, you need a few weeks off. And so they, they had to make sure they didn't push him to that point this season. And when you have Jabron Payne serving the role he had, you have Jeremiah Love doing what he had, you were able to get Jadarian some touches in the return game that helped him continue to, to work his way back that wasn't putting such a heavy load on him. And so I, I think those are things that factor. I mean, the kid the kid had nine re- kick returns this year and averaged over 35 yards per return, you know, and and, and had 39 touches on offense. And he'll he'll and if if Audric Estime doesn't play in the bowl game, and I don't know if he will or won't. Yeah, uh, you know, we we shared our opinion. We we would um, just based on recent history, I would assume he doesn't. But maybe he wants to get the record. Maybe he wants to get the single season rushing record. Whatever. Um, then for me, uh, you know, he'll play more in that game. You know, but to me, this year it was get him through the year, get him some experience, and get him through the year healthy. Ryan, to me, that was the primary objective of Jadarian Price, and they did that. They did exactly that, and and. and you know, I'll say it now, and I'm going to write an article about it once once the you know all the decisions have been made. But if Notre Dame has J- Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price as their one-two punch next year at running back, it's going to be a more dynamic, more explosive, more productive version of what we saw two years ago with Audrey Estime and Logan Diggs. Those are both very good running backs. But my whole thing is, I said it the other day, a 30-yard run for Audrey Estime. There, there are some 30-yard runs Audrey Estime had this year that if it's one of those two kids might go for 60 just yeah. and you saw it on the one little inside zone 12 yard gain he had near the goal line or near, near, in the red zone for Jeremiah Love he just shot he was he got through that hole Ryan like a missile right and Jadarian's got some of that too I mean yeah. go just back until Jeremiah Love gets run. a little more just wait until Jeremiah Love gets a little bit more ba- uh, patience in his game because then yeah. he's going to explode man and weight room strength too Ryan because the weight room stuff too because he runs hard for a 190 pound running back but go back and look at Jadarian Price's first carry of the year that went for a 19-yard touchdown. Those kids get through the hole at, a, at a, just a different gear. And I think right. your point, it's it was great for Jeremiah watching Audric yesterday. Understand, like, hey, guy, yeah, you can go a million miles an hour, but sometimes you need to go at 20 miles an hour while you yeah. wait for that block and set up, then accelerate to 100, right? Yeah. And he'll learn all that. That's all part of the learning process. And so I think it was great that they got both of those guys experience, but with Jadarian, it was get him some experience, keep him healthy. Yep. Mission accomplished. In my opinion, mission accomplished. It's a good question, Nathan. Good question. Running back room next year is going to be ridiculous, man. It's not even going to yeah. make any sense. Oh yeah. Absolutely. With and Aeneas coming in too. It's like, all right guys. <laughs> all right. Yep. Absolutely. Bobby, Bobby asked with a question. What do you think some of these fringe guys do stay go pro or go to the portal? 
I guess we're going to go one by one here and mm-hmm. make a prediction. Z Carell, stay, go, or go to, or go pro, or go to the portal. Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, how about this, Ryan? I don't know that I'm. I would know if guys are going to go pro or the portal. Can let's just say, will they be back or not? How about that? Okay. Can we stay or can we go do it that way? Yeah, yeah, stay or go. Yeah. yeah. So I would say go. I would say go as well. Andrew Kristofik, I would also say go. Mm-hmm. Tosh Baker, I would say stay. Mm-hmm. Tosh Baker. Kevin Bauman. Go. Go as well. I mean, there's just no reason to bring him back. With all due respect, to Kevin, he has yeah. made himself healthy. Yep. He's a he's already graduated. He's a senior, right? He he's just he's going to get beat out. The guys that are just better than him. I mean, they yep. just are. Yep. So I don't see any reason to bring him back. Devin Ford, I would say go. Yep, agree. Nah, nah, Sapimensa has been answered for us. He is going. We know, we know we know the answer to that one now. Yes, yes, we do. In, in, interesting one who actually thought played pretty well in his limited opportunities, but Aiden Kiana Ana, defensive tackle. I, I wish they would bring him back. I just don't think Al Washington really has a lot of. I just don't think I, it's it's. I don't want to get into it, but I, yeah, I just don't think Al Washington views him the way that we do. So I'd be yeah. a little surprised if he if he was I'll back. See. I would I would like to see him back for the same reason that you went and recruited Sean Savoyano. Yeah, you know, I, th- but, I thought Aiden played pretty well, didn't he? Last I game, like, I was like, all right, looked pretty good. Like, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. I, you right. and I are on the same page there, Ryan. It, it, yeah. This isn't me. Um, this isn't me uh, saying I I don't like him. Yeah. Um, it's more uh, I just don't know that the the staff and the position coach views him the way that that maybe it's fair. I do, which is fine. It's fair, very fair. All right, linebackers. So let's go to JD Bertrand first. I'm gonna go. say go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maris Loyfeld. I'm gonna say go, but again, that's a conversation for me. Yeah. And then Jack Kaiser, I'd say go as well. You think all three go? I, well, I, I I'm leaning. I would see Mar. I could see Maris coming back before the other two, okay, for reasons you and I mentioned because there is so much positional flexibility with him and so much special yeah. teams opportunities. I just maybe this is just my opinion. I just think it's time to turn the page of linebacker. I love what those kids did. Thank you all so much, but it's time to turn the page. But I I think one of the three will come back. I, I just I'm, I think it's time to kind of move on, but. You know, let, let's see what Jalen Sneed and Jaden Osbury and Drake Bowen and Nolan Ziegler and Kingston Villama Asa and let's, you know, you're going to get Keanu Kia back next year. And then I know you don't want to count on him because he's coming back off the mission. You know, maybe he's a special teams sure. guy and maybe 25 might be more of a time. But, you know, you got Preston Zinter, who Marcus Freeman announced today was the, you know, the scout team player of the week last week and, and a talented player. I just, it's just, it's just kind of to me, it's kind of red time to, you know, you're going to be young next year, bite that bullet, but you're going to be really athletic really yeah. talent and explosive. And I just say, and, and and that's why I think too, is I think that's why maybe Marist might be a, a better option, but you could also make a case for Jer- Jack being back, you know, have that veteran presence and that leadership and, and a special teams special guy, teams. like the case that you've yeah. made in the past for him, you know? So I could see that as well. And then the last one is Ramon Henderson. I would say go, but I don't really have a great feeling on that one. I mean, I understand why they want to bring him back. Cause that's a position where the numbers are really shaky. I think, I think your decision with Ramon Henderson is going to be tied into the decision that happens with Xavier Watts. That's I think if Xavier leaves, it's going to be tough to also tell Ramon to leave because then it's Antonio, it's Antonio Carter and and Ben Minnick and Don Schuler and all the young guys and Luke Talich and all the young guys, the incoming freshmen. I don't know that that's necessarily one. I mean, are you going to get a better portal safety than Ramon Henderson? I don't know. Right. It's not that there aren't better portal safeties out there. It's like, are you going to get those guys that are better? Right. You know, that's that's the bigger question mark. And so if Xavier Watts comes back, I'd be okay if 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 they if Ramon left. But if Xavier Watts leaves and you lose him, DJ and Ramon, it's a lot of turnover to safety position in one offseason. A lot of turnover. That's fair. So do you you, would you kind of see it that way, too, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I, I just, I'm curious to see. I, I think you've made a great point, and I would 100% agree that I think the tipping point is Xavier Watts' decision from there, right? Because, yeah, because I, I mean, I would like to see. I mean, if Xavier comes back, then it's like that second safety position. Now I can mix in those younger guys plus Antonio Carter trying to be that like that next safety, you know, this second starting safety with depth. So, we'll uh, we'll see, man. We'll see. Along those same lines, we have a we have this one from uh, NDSMA Trucking, Ryan, about about that. 
Well, and they said, assuming Joe Alt, Zeke Carell, Andrew Kristoffic are all gone after the season, what is your ideal too deep on the offensive line? Uh, I mean, look, right now, I'm just going to kind of go with uh, – it's really hard for me to say ideal because I don't know where certain guys are going to play. Right now, we, for example, we saw Charles Jagasaw playing at the end of the year at guard, guard, not tackle. Yeah. You know, yeah. So that makes me think that they view the next year starting – you know, tackles is Blake Fisher on one side and Tosh Baker on the other with Emil Wagner as your next tackle in, and then maybe a Sullivan Absher or a, or a Gearby Lambert as sort of your next tackle in. And then at guard, you've got, uh, you got, I think Billy Shrouth, will, I would imagine, comes back battling for that job. Do, do you make him battle with Rocco again, or do you make Rocco battle with Pat Coogan? That, that, that would be a fair question. Right. That's something I would be curious about. I would much rather see Rock because I still think Rocco has the higher ceiling. I think when Rocco was at his best this year, he was better than Pat Coogan at his best. I think Pat was a little bit more steady than Rocco was, a little bit more consistent than Rocco was. I'm not sure if you agree with that or not, Ryan. But I also feel like Rocco would have been a much better suited to to execute the offense we saw the last two weeks, which is just downhill boom. They kept asking Rocco to pull, pin and pull, and that's not his game. Um, what's funny is they had an athletic enough offensive line to do that the last two games and didn't do it, which was smart because you don't want to ask those young kids to do a lot. But we saw Billy Shrouth had a pull. I don't know if you saw this, Ryan. Billy Shrouth had a pull. They ran power on Saturday. And Billy Shrouth mm-hmm. came around quickly and drilled a linebacker. And you're like, that's what a pull is supposed to look like at the University of Notre Dame, you know? But, uh, you know, so you got those three. And then Sam Pendleton got some playing time on Saturday. He looked good, yeah. I thought. You've got Charles Jagasaw potentially there. Sam um, Pendleton's very, very developed for his age, man. Yes. Like he looked like he yes. told me he was a junior. And I've been like, yep, looks yeah. like a junior to me. Sure, so, sure. That's a lot of guards there, Ryan. And and a couple of them, you know, that's why I'd still say I'd like to see Jagasaw bumped back outside and see what see if he can play tackle or not. If he can't, then you can always move him back inside. But I'd give him that shot to play tackle. And I think you almost have to do it if Blake Fisher also leaves. But the this question does not work with the premise that he leaves. So I think that would be it. And then you'd have Ashton Craig as your center. And I think Joe Otting is the they've talked about is the next in line behind him. They really like Joe Otting a lot. He's got he's got to get bigger and stronger and all that. But from everything I've heard. Like Ashton Craig's the future at center, but they feel like Joe Wadding's got a chance to be that guy after Ashton's gone. And honestly, you know, with with, with Ashton's potential, it's not a given that he's going to be a fifth year guy, in right. my opinion. You sure. know, especially with him getting some you know starts under his belt this year. So we'll see how it plays out. Here's a recruiting question, Ryan. So I'll, I'll go ahead and ask this one for you. Yep. Uh, these next two are going to be more for you. Ryan, because the next one's an NFL draft question. Uh, okay. What is the timeline for some of the guys that we're on really good shape for? Ike Taylor being one. Uh, Owen Street being Taylor. I mean, Ike Taylor. Taylor. Excuse Ike me, Taylor. Ivan Taylor. Ivan Taylor. Yeah. Keep wanting to call him his dad. <laughs> Ivan Taylor. Yes. Sorry, Ivan. I know you're your own man. Ivan Taylor, <laughs> Owen Strebig, Damian Shanklin, and the Connecticut teammates of Matty Augustine and Ethan Long. Sure. Yeah, so timeline for Ivan Taylor. I mean, my I, I think I put out the Intel... I put out another article recently on Ivan Taylor, but my one that I did about a week or two ago, Ivan had said once the season was over and everything had settled down that he would make a decision. So I would anticipate something happening probably before the new year, as far as the decision being made for Ivan Taylor, that's kind of the timeline I'd see. I would be very surprised if he went into January of 2024, not committed to whatever school he ends up choosing. So Ivan Taylor, I think that timeline looks like that right now. Owen Strebig is one that we've talked about a ton because it's, it's very very interesting. He has talked a lot about wanting to take official visits after junior year and doing all that type of stuff and then making a final decision before senior year starts. I just wouldn't be shocked if that gets moved up a little bit. I really would not be shocked if that happens, right? So we'll see if the timeline changes, but he will say, you know, out there that it's after OVs before before senior year starts. But we'll see. I think that's one that could tentatively change. Damian Shanklin's in no and no sort of rush to make a decision at all. When you ask him about timelines, he just says, I, you know, I kind of, I'm not sure about that yet. I'll kind of know when I know type of situation. So there's nothing firm there. And then Ethan Long, I had an update about two weeks ago. Ethan Long had told me that he is aiming also for a December decision, right? December decision. So he's before the new year type of thing. Matty Augustine, similar to what I just said about Damian Shanklin. 
doesn't put firm timelines out there, right? So him, Shanklin, not a firm timeline out there. Ethan Long, potentially a December decision to be made. Ivan Taylor, before 2023 is over, I would anticipate something happening there. Owen Strebig, after junior C, after junior year, taking his OVs, making the decision. But I could see that one getting moved up if everything goes well. Good stuff. Next question, Ryan, from NDSMA Trucking. This is more of an NFL draft question. Okay. Uh, let me, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer one of them, Ryan, because I want to see if I'm if I can get something right on NFL draft. Right, I want to sure. try and get it right. And sure. you're gonna laugh when I say it because I think I think you and I agree on this. Brian and Ryan, I never understood why these players were first rounders. Can you explain it? He brings up uh, Quentin Johnston from TCU, Kenny Pickett, yeah. quarterback at Pitt, Najee Harris, running back at Alabama, Jameson Williams, running receiver at Alabama, and then Jerry Tillery. I'll tell you why Jerry Tillery was overrated because he was a considered a very good pass rusher. And the NFL mm-hmm. is a league where they look for interior pass rushers. That's why I I, I think Jerry Tillery had no business being a first NFL draft pick. But I I can That's see fair. it. He's incredibly he's big and very athletic for his size, and yes. was a productive pass rusher as a senior. That that's why you but I you you, you were going to bet on those traits. So you can't teach right. a kid to be six six three hundred with no bad weight on him and be athletic like Jerry was, right? Yeah. So people bet on the traits, even though the film was very inconsistent. And you had, I, mean, I always had a question of like Jerry just putting great weight on his frame a little bit, right? Because like he never seemed like a natural three hundred pounder to me either. Like he always seemed like very sleek and like the, the, it was a little tough for him to gain weight. For the rest of them. Quentin Johnston, uh, and a little bit of the same thing we just said about Jerry Tillery. Quentin Johnston was 6'3", ran in the 4'4s, had a 40-plus-inch verts, and could jump out the gym. That's why he was a first-round pick. The NFL is very inconsistent with wide receiver evaluation sometimes, right? Like we talk about guys like Kevin White, for instance, out of West Virginia, where it's like, guy just didn't pan out. Why didn't he pan out? You know, and Kill Harry. Like, there's been some wide receivers that are like height, height, weight, speed freaks, that aren't necessarily great wide receivers. Quentin Johnson, I was not a huge fan of coming out of TCU because he fought the football tremendously in the air, did not extend, had really shoddy ball skills in my opinion overall. Kenny Pickett was the circumstance of Kenny Pickett was solid, nothing special, but he was in a really bad quarterback class, so he got bumped up tremendously, and it was a mistake. Everybody knew it was going to be a mistake, but they Would took you the say that the Steelers were desperate because of Roethlisberger? Yes. And all, I mean, were they? Yes. Was that kind of part of it too? They just were. They had to take a quarterback, and he was the best in the class. But their options outside of that were going to be Mitch Trubisky or Mason Rudolph. That was going to be their options. So they they swung for a quarterback that they thought had the highest floor. I would say with Kenny Pickett, and I think that's what Kenny is, man. Like I always, I my evaluation on Kenny Pickett was. Very good long-time starter that maybe could eventually develop into a low-end starter. That's what I see with Kenny Pickett. And I feel very good about that evaluation now two years into his career. He's not awful, but he's also not a starting quarterback in the NFL on a high-level team. Like, he's just not that guy, in my opinion. Najee Harris, is that is this the one that's asking me? I mean, I was yeah. I was okay with Najee Harris being a late first-round pick. I was okay with it. I, I think he's been pretty good on a bad Steelers offense. Like I, I don't actually don't see any issue with that one, personally. I probably would have drafted a more early two comparative to late first, but it's a late first-round pick. I mean, you're going to take a gamble on a kid like that, right? And, I mean, he was 6'2", 225, 230, could catch the football pretty well. I, I had no issue with Najee Harris. Jamison Williams was an interesting one because the main pushback on Jamison Williams was – Coming off the injury, and he was a one-year wonder, only one year of production. That was like the big thing against Jamison. But Jamison, again, why was the first-round pick? Kid could fly, right? He could run for days. Why was Henry Ruggs a first-round pick, right? Why was Jalen Rager a first-round pick? It's because they can run, and the NFL values speed. Jamison Williams, I feel like if he wasn't coming off an injury, would be a lot better than he is right now for Detroit. But he's a bust because he was coming off that injury, and he's a one-year He's a one-year wonder at this point. He's not a guy that can be depended upon. And, uh, yeah, so that's why Jameson didn't end up panning out so far. But there's still time for him. He's only in his second year. We'll see what happens. I was going to ask you about him, Ryan, because I know the injury yeah. thing and the lack of experience. You almost kind of thought maybe the development would be slower. Are you willing to be patient yeah. enough with him? Because if you think about the Lions, they have him. I meant more of the Lions. If yeah. You still have him for three more years, You or the potential mm-hmm. to have him for three more years if you want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he still has a couple of years to prove himself. Yeah, and, he's got time. Um, he's got time. Yeah, but but it, there was some risk there. There was no doubt. Yes. The, the difference between, to me, between Jay, the reason I'm more, I would have been more patient with, I would have had no problem with taking Jameson Williams, although I thought it was too high, but understood it. But why I thought the Henry Ruggs pick was a disaster is because Henry Ruggs was just fast. He wasn't actually, to me, 
a very good football player. He just was fast. Right. Where yeah. Jameson Williams is a, I mean, you can see it in college. He's a good route runner. He can catch the ball and do damage after the catch. And, you know, he, he has potential to be a good football player where Henry Ruggs was just fast. Yeah. And, and so I, I, I would much, much be, I would much be much more willing to be patient with, with him than I would have Henry Ruggs. And talk sure. about a guy just throwing his life away, you know, <laughs> yeah. like Henry Ruggs is ridiculous. Yep. No doubt. About All right. That. Let's get to, let's get to some of Tommy guns questions here. Uh, oh, Cause man. he brought a lot of them. We've put that's <laughs> so mean. Here's a funny mm-hmm. one. Tommy says, which series of plays were worse? Notre Dame dropped pick uh, pick and 10 men on the field. The last two plays against Ohio state or Auburn muffed punt lining up wrong out of the timeout and fourth and 35 touchdown for Alabama. I mean, it was worse for Auburn because the circumstances were just more dramatic to me. Uh, I mean, now that as far as just the, the, the worseness of boy, that's just bad. To me, it's 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 Auburn. I, I think which one was more impactful? It's Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame, Auburn's like what what was at stake for Auburn against Bama? You get a good rivalry win. You know, I mean, you're 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 look at your season, you're still bowl eligible. You know, you can sell, hey, we battled Alabama tough a week after, you know, whatever. You're still going to a bowl game. For Notre Dame, it you could argue it derailed the season. I mean, they just they were different. You could argue they were a different team. And I, I think that that impact was worse, but the actual plays were worse uh, for Auburn. Got some super chats down here. Uh, I want to get to some of those from you guys. Appreciate it. Let manager one. I know you'll have intel on this at some point, but any nuggets on younger players that have flashed in practice to be excited about? Uh, well, I've I, two guys that I was told um, from different sources. I was told Braylon James had a very strong finish to the season in practice and that Tobias Merriweather was Notre Dame's best receiver in practice the last four weeks. Uh, so uh, out of the, I think, first bye is what I was told. So now that didn't always manifest itself on the field, but when you look at the production he did have, down the stretch, uh, it, it was pretty good. But yeah, I was told both him and him and Braylon James had very strong finishes to the season in practice. Uh, I was told some things about Charles Jagasaw the last month, where a little bit of a light went on, and he still has a lot to learn. But they really love the talent. They think he has a shot to be really a player. I think at this point in time with him, the question is just about where does he play? Is he going to be a tackler or a guard? I think that's the that's really the only question that people have about him right now. So those are just a couple little nuggets. I'll, I'll save the rest for uh, talking to different. Uh, those are guys that I've had multiple sources on, so that's why I feel better about saying those. But the rest of them will be more some some nuggets for the for the uh, message board here down the road. Next question is for Fighting Mike. Thank you for the super chat, Mike. Appreciate it very much. And I love that you have that avatar because my wife took that picture of Mitchell Evans that you have in your avatar. So that's actually really cool that you have that one. That was a, that was the BC game last year. And Angela took that photo. It's one of my favorite photos that she took, by the way, it's just really sharp. It's like right in front of her. It's a great photo. Did Michigan's interception to seal a game, give you flashbacks of DJ Brown too. What will be your lasting memory of the 23 season plus or minus? Well, I'll give you a couple pluses and then a couple minuses. The couple pluses was we finally saw the Notre Dame offense show that when it's run correctly can be dynamic. I mean, when this offense, I mean, let me just, let me just point this out. And this is what I say is let's have a fair conversation. So I'll give you plus and minuses on both sides of the ball, kind of both sides of the ball, the pluses and minuses on offense. Notre Dame won nine games this year. Do you guys know the average margin of victory in those nine games? It was 32.3. You had one game that was a seven-point win. The re- the next closest win was USC at 28. Or no, NC State at 21. Excuse me, it was your next closest victory. And nine wins. You're talking about Notre Dame being a team that showed it can have, it can be a big play offense this season, something it really hasn't been in a long time. So, you know, those are all those are all good things. When when you have a, a, a team that can can show that kind of potential. That's the the plus. The other takeaway that I'm going to have from the season is there was a dramatic difference between good and bad. 
Now, here's why I think a lot of people are reacting to it so strongly this year. Notre Dame did nothing different against the good teams this year than they had in the past. Nothing different. They've always been this way against bad teams. And that's frustrating. It's very frustrating. They were that way under Tommy Reese. They were that way under Chip Kelly or Chip Kelly, Chip Long. They were that way under Mike Denbrock. They've always been a team that struggles against the better teams in the schedule. That's got to get better. The reason I'm a little bit more optimistic about it getting better than maybe some others are is because what we haven't seen in the past is them being that dominant against everybody else. That's different than what we've seen in the past, which is why if the bowl game just stays on the level of what they've done all season, you're going to have a team that sets a scoring record, points per game and total points, and you're going to have a chance to set your all-time record in yards per play. Yes, they need to do better in big games, but there's a much better, there's a much more dynamic foundation to build upon, especially Ryan, when like what you and I were talking about last week, when so much of that excitement from a big play standpoint is actually younger guys that are coming back, you know, and you just look at the potential athleticism they're going to have on this team. You know, you're, you're talking about a receiving core that's just going to be loaded next year. Potentially, yeah. if, you know, depending on who comes back, a running back room that you said it earlier is just going to be sick next year. A tight end room where it's like they're, they're going to have the deepest tight end room in college football next year. I mean, it's it's going to be fun to watch. And so there's some excitement there. Now you've got to answer the question of why can't you do that against the best teams in your schedule? Like, look, Notre Dame's not going to score 49 points a game against Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, Clemson, but you've got to get to like 27. Like if they just would have scored 20 points against Ohio state, they win, you know? And, and so your defense also had some woes in a couple of those games too, but partly because your offense couldn't help you out. So they're gonna have to get better in those areas. But the plus is, man, this, when this offense was on, good Lord, it was explosive and never had, never scored over 40 points as many times as they did this year. I mean, guys, they've played much weaker schedules than they had this year in the past and didn't do what they're doing now. That's something to build upon. Defensively, the pluses are, man, they made a big jump. Big, big jump. Uh, my 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 takeaway is just the ability to close in a couple situations. Just you couldn't yeah. close a couple drives off against Clemson when you needed to, and you couldn't close a couple drives off against against Ohio State when you needed to. But overall, man, it was great to see the defense take such a big jump with also some really exciting young talent coming along. Well, they are one of three teams in college football this year that were in top 10 in both scoring offense and scoring defense for the year. Mm -hmm. The other two were Georgia and was it Ohio State was the second one, I believe, if I remember correctly. Actually, no, I don't think it was Ohio. Was it Michigan? Was Michigan the second one? Could have been, Mm -hmm. maybe. I can't remember. But either way, Notre Dame took a step forward this year, in my opinion. Now, I think they left a a little bit on the – not a little bit. I think they left some meat on the table there, right? Like, I do not think that they lived up to their expectation. Am I still optimistic for the future of Notre Dame football, though? Yeah, I am. Because I think that you look at this team and you say, over 39 points per game, 16 points let up defensively. There's a lot to work with there, man. There's a whole lot to work with. Just that you need to figure out road, what 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 the issues are on the road going into true road games. You need to figure out how you're going to get over that hump against the better defenses on your schedule. If you can, Notre Dame can compete with anyone in college football. They really can. So my lasting memory of 2023 is it's better, but it's still not good enough. It's yeah. a lasting memory. And I think that's what it should be, right? Like, I think that that is where you should be. So I, yeah, I'm interested to see what the next step is, but it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch regardless. Hopefully it's fun in the positive way and not fun as in, wow, this is chaotic and weird, right? Like I'd rather it be very positive. So we shall see. We shall see. One of the shows we're going to do this off season, and I think we'll probably wait till after the bowl game, Ryan, is you and I are going to have a show of, did Notre Dame close the gap this year? If so, how and in what areas? And then what what still remains? Because they did not close the gap all the way, clearly. They went nine and three. But like yep. if the gap's here, did they close it at all? Are they are they making progress? Yes or no? I would argue yes. And I'll explain why. Uh, but also then we'll discuss what, what were some of the missed opportunities to close it even more. Because that's the thing. That if you could wrap it up into that, Notre Dame closed the gap this year. 
they missed opportunities to close it even more. That's my takeaway of the season. If I can only do one takeaway, it's that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's part of the excitement, but also the frustration. Like that, It's a weird place to be for Notre Dame fans right now because part of it's like, man, I'm excited about the talent and this and the that. And the other part is like, but why didn't, you know, but why, but the missed opportunities. And, and I think that's the thing is like when, when, you, when Notre Dame fans watch the Ohio State game, it used to be we're like, yeah, they're just, they got way better players. Like when you watch Notre Dame against Alabama in 2020, you can almost accept the fact, you know what? It's a heck of a season to get to that point and and lose that game, and, and and they're just way better than you. When you watch Ohio State, you don't sit there and say, like, man, boy, our kids battled hard. They just got better players than us. No, it's more like, how the heck did we lose to that team? We should have right. beat that team. Same with Louisville, yeah. same with Clemson. And that's also part of the frustration, but it's also evidence that they have closed the gap because you are able to toe-to-toe, man-to-man, athlete-to-athlete play with those teams. Now it's just about figuring out ways to beat those teams. It took Clemson a couple of years to figure that out. It took Georgia a couple of years to figure that out. Now Notre Dame's got to figure it out, and they've had a couple of years, and now it's time to turn the corner, and they'll get that opportunity next year. We had a super chat from Charlie Weiss's last bullet. What's up, Charlie? What's up, Charlie? Hi, IB. With Mike Elko to Texas A&M, so you get Notre Dame going after any of the Duke kids like Paul Mankin. You already addressed, yeah. Yes, which you talked about. Or you expect him to follow Elko. Any uh, Also, any words on interior defensive linemen? Sorry, Wait, I mean, are we, you? Go Charlie, ahead. I mean, we, we talked about the. I actually looked at a little bit of like the Duke, um, the Duke commits in the class yesterday, just in case, like that type of conversation. Paul Mankey is the only one that I believe even had an offer from Notre Dame, so I don't necessarily think that there's any – movement that's going to go there from the Duke class, right? Like, I I, I just don't – and no, they're not going to go after Paul Menke. That's just not a situation that's going to be on the table. Any, I mean, what are we talking about with the interior defensive line? Are we talking about for 2024 with the Nandiak Boko situation not going through? I mean, are we saying – Yeah, like, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure 100%. I don't so. think – well, just answer it both ways. In 2024, I think Notre Dame is done recruiting interior defensive linemen. As, yeah. you know, I think they'll – They'll probably reevaluate who doesn't sign in December and then see if there's anybody worth kind of going in, in after in into February. But uh, I think right now they're sure. done. I'm more interested, one, what the next step is it for Charlie? It, for mm-hmm. with because you were willing to put an extra number into Nandiak Boko, obviously, on the interior defensive line. So does that mean you go to the portal for an interior defensive lineman? Does that mean that you save that uh, that offer for a twenty twenty five or that commitment for a 2020 extra 2025 kid on the defensive line. I'm more interested to see what the next step is than whether, you know, what the answer short term yeah. is from a recruiting perspective. So Notre Dame right now has what? Four three to four defensive linemen committed, correct? Kind of. Yeah. Yes. With Hugh Lack if you count him, so you've got CJ May, Davion Dixon, Joseph Reef, correct? Yep. Yep. And then Don Dom Hulek's kind of a hybrid guy. And from what I'm told, they're still going to take Chris Burgess. They're still going to take Damian Shanklin and they would keep their options open for somebody else. That tells me that that scholarship is going to be put more towards 2025, which means they could potentially take a portal guy this year if it's the right one-year guy. That's the way I look at it. So right. if you're taking a scholarship for 24 and putting it to 25, that means you can also use it for 24's roster, for the portal. Right. Is basically how that stuff works. Yep. So – uh, I think that they'll they'll have their eyes open for the right portal guy, but look, they like Donovan Heinish. Uh, you know, I, I think Tyson Ford eventually is that guy. They, they, I think the Armel Mukum is a guy that has people very excited about what his future could be. Devin Houston's a guy that they're excited about what his future could be. If the right Chris, I think if a Chris Smith type of veteran comes along, I think you'd see Notre Dame look at that guy. Or if a stud like a Braden Fisk comes along and they lose one of, or if both of Riley Mills and Howard Cross, I think you can see him go that direction. But if Howard, if here's the thing too that factors into this for the portal, well, if Howard Cross and Riley Mills choose to come back, there's no need to go to the portal for interior guys. You have those two guys. You've had Rubio coming back, Jason Onye coming back. You have Donovan Heinish coming back. You've got potentially Tyson Ford, potentially Armel Mukum, potentially Devin Houston, plus Sean Savoliano, who to yeah. me is an early enrollee, is a kid who may have a shot to, you know, play as a freshman if you need that bigger body type of guy uh, for five, 10 snaps a game. So there's plenty of bodies there if the two veterans come back. And that's what a lot of this portal stuff, Ryan, is like, does Nerdham go for a portal guy there? A safety? Well, I don't know. Is Xavier Watts coming back or not? Are they right. going to go for a portal defensive tackle? Was well, Howard Cross and Riley Mills coming back or not? I need to know those answers first before I can say who they're going to go, what they're going to go do in the portal. 
So, which is why I think Notre Dame staff is going to probably want to hear those answers as soon as possible. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.